0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Nat show is brought to you in association with the Air Lingus College Football Classic. The first chance to get tickets to see Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday the 27th of August 2022 is through their pre-sale on Friday the 19th of November. So visit collegefootballisland.com to sign up now for exclusive access. That's collegefootballisland.com. Head on over and sign up. Hello and welcome to The Nat Coombe Show. It is review special. Only one man in the universe, in the quantum universe, should I say, that can handle this one. Iron Mike Carlson back in the house. And it is a vintage performance from Iron Mike. Unsurprisingly, given the amount we have to get into, upset central all across the NFL, of course, the Titans. Their defense suddenly balling, shocking the Rams. Josh Allen wins the battle of the Josh Allens. The Jags take down the Bills. Dallas disappear. Should we be taking Denver seriously as well? Colt McCoy, who doesn't love a backup quarterback story that plays out in the way that Colt McCoy did. The Arizona Cardinals going from strength to strength as well. So a huge amount to get into. Week 9 of the NFL unpicked for you right here. Let's get straight down to business. Hi, Mike. It is always a pleasure to see it. But straight off the bat, I want to set a few ground rules. If you throw any wisecracks my way, any barbs, you look at me funny, even contemplate a hip check, Ollie is throwing a taunting penalty flag without blinking. Just want to be clear about that.
1: I'm taunting you right now, (laughs) sitting sitting at home. Uh, I I know where you're going with this because um, it was one of the biggest plays of the night. And there was only one game in the night. So, uh, but Cassius Marsh getting a taunting penalty after a sack. Now, it's an interesting thing because Tony Preventi was the the referee. (laughs) Pretty sure that's not his
0: actual name.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Tony Correnti. And he said, you know, it's a point of emphasis. And uh, from where I saw he was, he was making taunting gestures and all he did was do his little sack dance facing right. the Pittsburgh bench because Pittsburgh is one of the many teams he has played for. And Cassius Marsh's reputation is a, as a kind of um, uncontrollable guy, which is why he's been with so many teams. He's a talented pass rusher. Good teams have had him. He's gone from Seattle to new England, to Pittsburgh, you know, teams, especially that run a lot of three, four, because he, you know he he's a useful piece in there, but they've never kept him because he's undisciplined. Well, mm. that wasn't undisciplined. You know, mm. Corenti was more undisciplined when he, he get, when kind of gave did. Cassius <laughs> Marth the hip check. the, hip yeah. the hell was and, that about? So this
0: is an interesting point, and this isn't just specific to the NFL, but I think to uh, to many different sports where reputation invariably comes into it. Right? Perception.
1: I, I, of that I can't. Yeah, I it. can't see how you can avoid that. You know, um, and this point of emphasis business and you know and we've seen john mara talking about this and you know it's like i'm a witch i'm a rich guy who owns a football team or half owns a football team and i don't need to see this stuff i mean what is mike
0: just to check was that a john mara impression where you just default to your real voice that was just my real
1: voice (laughs) okay the rest is just an act and and, you know i I... NBA the NFL wants to be the NBA you know the, the whole downfield passing game looks like the NBA and and is called about as 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 consistently as the M- NBA isn't um but you know the, the players are allowed a certain amount of exuberance i think and and taunting right. to me is, is when you you know, you go up and you rub it into someone's face, yeah. um, you know, and, and I can quite understand literally. that. Yeah. Quite literally. And, and he wasn't even doing that to the bench. He didn't say anything to the, to the Pittsburgh bench, you know, he was celebrating the play without exactly. A- and then facing the them, yeah. facing them. Yeah. I give Tony Correnti that he was facing the Pittsburgh bench because he wanted to show them that they shouldn't have let him go. Okay. Fair enough. Why is that a penalty? And then Correnti, actually his worst call was probably that one on James Daniels that took a touchdown pass away from the bears and i went oh jimmy jimmy graham's still in the league (laughs) he (laughs) He caught a one yard touchdown pass and and um but that didn't count because daniels was supposedly made low contact Another point of emphasis yes. on TJ Watt, uh, outside the tackle box. There are only two problems with that. One was he was inside the tackle box, and two was he never made contact. He, didn't make any contact. Yeah. he, missed, he missed the block. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Although, although that's a, another interesting point, I and mean, we're not going to go too far down the uh, officials being inconsistent uh alley this week, but seeing as yes, you know, I am. If, you, if you look at a, if you look at a slide tackle in soccer where uh, the intent is there but contact isn't made. Often the Typically, the foul is given, right? Even if contact it can be. Yeah, I mean, they do the same. They
1: do the same in lacrosse. If you if you check wildly with your stick, even if you don't hit the guy, you can be called for it because it's a a wild check. But but still, I mean, if you don't if you don't make any contact at all, and the referee Mm. says you made contact, um, there's a mistake somewhere. And I'm going to go on about this because I've been obviously I've been going on about it for a long time. But you know, the last couple of weeks in my in my column, which I will plug on Patreon. Um, I've been Let's get the plug about, right. Mark patch, uh, Mike, Mark, yeah. Patreon.com, <laughs> you- Patreon.com, Mike, <laughs> Mike Carlson, FMTE Friday morning tight end. Um, I've been writing about the quantum NFL and it makes no sense because, you know, it's like Heisenberg should be the, the supervisor of referees because what, what they're seeing and what we're seeing are two different things. And, you know, I obviously, the you know and in their case it's not just a difference of perspective it's that the heisenberg's uncertainty principle which states that that the act of observation changes the object being observed now that's supposed to function within the quantum universe which is subatomic particles not in the universe of a football stadium, which is
0: post-atomic you know I'd if, feel if, uh, dr mike carlson <laughs> uh, it makes me think when you have been talking about uh, this quantum universe in the year 2425, are we going to see whatever the equivalent broadcast is then, the equivalent of Dean Blandino in some kind of space pod and beaming his feedback from the uh, outer reaches of space, do you feel?
1: Yeah, Nate, Nate and I were talking about cryogenics no, because he's he's he wrote his EPQ on the on... Um, prolongation of life and 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 ways to do it. And he, he wants to be a biochemist. And you know and and the thought of like Dean, Dino Blandino, <laughs> Dino Blandino's voice coming from this suspended jar <laughs> in in a spaceship somewhere. <laughs> and with the smile, he always had the smile uh, uh, on his on his face. You oh, know, as it. as he tells you that what you just saw you didn't actually see. Um, I, I or can in, see that. Or in two
0: hundred thousand years, the only
1: thing left
0: to uh, illustrate what our civilization was like is a, <laughs> a 30-second <laughs> highlight reel of Dino Blandino.
1: Yeah, Dino Dino Blandino on one hand and Jacob Rees-Mogg on the other. <laughs> oh, I, God, I, think I think I'd love to hear his commentary on that. Um, the year 2525 like. was a pop song back in my day, an awful one, but really? um, oh, yeah. Zager and someone, um that was in the year twenty five, twenty five, oh, and it gotta... keeps it keeps going on until like the Earth is is no longer there. You know, like in the year ninety five, ninety five.
0: That's great. Like that. <laughs> we're going to think about that out for our next karaoke uh, session, <laughs> on Mike. Right. Let's get down to business. Obviously, upset Central across the NFL this weekend. Uh, so we'll get into those. Let's start with the, the Titans. I think. And yeah. Simple question for you, straight off the bat, Mike, because the Titans are a team that we thought we knew. Right. We thought well there's more to their offense than just Eric Henry and Mike Vrabel's uh, a, a coach that is on the up and up, but their, their defense, mm, not so
1: much, not great shakes. Have you got a yeah. wrong? Their defense good? Um, what, their defense is really great up front. It's very good in the second and it's still a work in progress in the secondary. But I think my theme for this week, sort of at the halfway point of the season is that it's taken a lot of teams time to get, their feet under, underneath them and discover what they are and, and what they can do um, and I put that down to COVID I put it down to the lack of contact practices to you know um, th- it's almost as if the month of September is is preseason. So um, an unusual
0: that's a really f- interesting point so an unusual amount of time because that's true with a lot of teams most seasons right but you think this year even more so
1: Yeah and I think it almost at the midpoint now you're starting to see some teams that are discovering who they are and getting better and some teams that had a great Great starts in a Roy, but are just, you know, have been found out in a sense by teams. And Tennessee lost. Angeles. Carolina.
0: Just saying, just yeah. to well, over there.
1: Yeah, you go three weeks without a touchdown and it's hard to win a game. I'll um, <laughs> <Hot> take. <laughs> but but um, the Rams Titans is a great example of that because Sean McVay's teams are front runners. Let's put it that way. Mm. Um, I, I don't want to say that they're soft, but they're soft. Um, And they they got around that because they had a great defensive front and, and, you know, good coordinators, Wade Phillips, um, you know, and then um, Staley. And that's why they brought in Von Miller, to try to get some more punch up front. But their offensive line, which was supposed to be a team strength, really fell apart on Sunday. Jeffrey Simmons is a stud. You know, we knew that coming out of college, but he was injured and and they drafted him anyway and they gave him basically a redshirt half season and he—he's a stud. Danico Autry, Gene Autry, as I like to call him, for people who remember cowboy movies from the '40s. Um, Gene Autry is really good up front. You know, um, they've got—they've got speed, they've got pass rush ability, and um, they got Bud Dupree from the from the Steelers. You know, yep. and Landry. They just dominated that game up front, which made the secondary look better. And Bayard is a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, Bayard you know is not necessarily guy you want always one-on-one in coverage but it but if he's like if he's kind of like free behind the coverage and they're getting loads of pressure and they made Matt Stafford's life miserable obviously. Um, then they really did. their defense looks really good. And, and, you know, and I think that they found out what they're. offensively, they didn't have a great game, less they, than 200
0: yards. Right. Yeah. And they, 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 well, they picked, picked up, a key, on third down. you know,
1: that pass rushing penalty, uh, sorry, that pat roughing the passer penalty, penalty uh, with, for the push on Tannehill, you know, very borderline, mm. um, you know, but that's the kind of thing that changes the, the impact of games, but variable. To his credit, understands this. Mm-hmm. I think you know, and it's taken them too a, a little bit of time. I think to adjust to new offense, new offensive coordinator because Arthur Smith's down down in Atlanta. Um, I think the Titans are they're still going to be a problem offensively. I think uh, because teams yeah. are you know I said it last week. Teams are going to be able to uh, eventually um, figure out ways to control AJ Brown, which is which is really the. Now, the key for their offense, but they're but he's perfectly willing to scheme around that, you know. And defensively, they're going to be a problem for teams. And they, they're, they're in the playoffs, they're guaranteed yeah, in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, clip that up, Ollie, uh, to make sure, <laughs> make sure they miss the playoffs. We can play that yeah. out. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, on the on the ground game, look, it's a sample size of one game, so uh, I'm not necessarily suggesting we formed definitive conclusions here, but based on what you saw. And AP coming back after you know a long absence out. How much of a drop off is it likely to be from Henry to who they've got now?
1: Huge, it's huge. They have to re they have to redo their offense. Um, I think the running backs now, anything they get from them is gravy. They're going to. Con- you know, hopefully they can continue to run a play-action offense, which which Tannehill's more effective at, right? Um, because you don't actually need a great running game, and and you know, and Adrian Peterson is more of a threat than an actual. I mean, well, you know, I didn't expect anything from him, um, and he was like one yard a carry or something like that, A little but, bit better but, than that, but not much. Know, but, but but you go back, well. yeah, go back over the last couple of years, and he's been a very boom and bust kind of guy, but he's always got that potential Lattery, yeah, to, yeah. to break to break the big play.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, that is the key, as you say, the the setting up and establishing and maintenance, I should say, really, of of, of play action. Is that going to be possible? Are they going to elaborate on that point? Because I've heard you wax lyrical about this before, Mike, the misconception, I think, that the only way you can have a successful play action game is when you have an elite rushing attack that isn't the case is it
1: no and i think that's that's been proven you know any number of times by by teams that that run play action successfully now the titans in their case <laughs> they i mean <laughs> they had you always when Derek Henry's in the game you have to have you know seven maybe eight guys in the box and that makes play action really effective because those those guys in the box have to take a step backwards before they get involved in pass coverage it made it really difficult to double AJ Brown in previous years it made it difficult to double the tight end you know or even get sink good single coverage on tight ends and they were always really effective with John o. Smith and Delaney Walker and guys like that mm. Delaney um, Walker
0: guys I haven't heard for a while he's a great player uh, yeah what about the Rams Mike how concerned should uh, Rams faithful be about that pretty vanilla offensive performance and Stafford as well in particular it's pretty much the first misstep yeah, it's funny it's season. funny how many
1: it's funny how many guys dialed themselves out of the MVP race <laughs> 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 yeah. on, on Sunday Um, I think they got to be fairly concerned because as I said, their offensive line was supposed to be really strong and and its weaknesses were exposed. Now there aren't all that many teams that will be able to do that to them, what the Titans did, but Arizona is one that might, you know, and I think Hmm. we're, we're, You know, as you saw without Kyler Murray, and and I did say last week, Colt McCoy can do some of the same kind of things in that offense that Kyler Murray does. But the the strength of Arizona was their defense or is their defense. And Vance Vance Joseph right now would be my front runner for sort of like assistant coach of the year, coordinator of the year or whatever, because they're just doing a, a tremendous job on defense and um let's so, go
0: credit to charlotte jones incidentally uh, i know you would have approved of this with this nod to, to freddie joe oh, Right,
1: that would that was fantastic you know because he's who remembers freddie joe Nutton now you know and and being the all-time sack leader on the cardinals is not quite like being the all-time sack leader on the, for the Steelers, bears, or, yeah. for example or the bears sure, yeah, yeah good 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 call but but you know um i i just think it showed two things. I thought one was a great respect and, and a great understanding of the game and, and feel for your team and its history. And two is a certain amount of confidence that you were going to get that sack, <laughs> right. you know, and, and therefore have the shirt ready when, <laughs> yeah, when you did, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of like Terrell Owens with the Sharpie in his sock, knowing knowing he was going to catch a touchdown and use the Sharpie in his end zone celebration.
0: Yeah, exactly. Joe <laughs> Horn, I think we could throw in the mix there with a phone. Yeah. Chad yeah. Johnson, <laughs> <in the baby laughs> jacket, we did that game together. I think it's one of our first seasons together. Yeah, yeah. we um, that. Out. Let's talk more about the Cardinals. So we'll just flip over there a minute. And I want to get onto some of the other upsets. I guess you might call the, the Cardinals win an upset, given how many uh, star names are out. And that's what I want to understand. First of all, I take your point about their defense is maybe going a little bit under the, the, the radar this season, but how did they manage to look so effective offensively with so many playmakers out?
1: I, I, I want to say that the, the Niners gave them, you know, kind of every chance to do that. Um, and especially kind of like when they punted on fourth and long, deep, you know, not deep in Arizona territory, but they were like on the inside the 40, maybe the 39, 38 mm-hmm. yard line. Um, they, they were sort of giving them chan- chances to play into that. And, and they, the, the Niners are kind of a one trick pony. Um, if if they can't get to the outside, they're very limited in what they do. And so they did a pretty good job of keeping Jimmy Garoppolo inside where he's he's been less effective as a passer. And, you know, because they don't have, they've had losses of players like many teams have. They don't really have a drop back downfield kind of receiving threat. Mm -hmm. Most of their receptions and and their big offensive chunk plays come on. They're running outside zone and they either get the run, out of that, you know, co- with a cutback, or they get the pass to Debo or Kittle coming across the field. And Sweeping then they get the yards there, after after, way, after catch, catch. Yeah. And, and so if you take, if, if you hold them in check with that, you've, you've got a pretty good chance. And that's what, that's what they were able to do. Um, Where's Colt I, McCoy on your
0: iron Mike's backup quarterback power rankings. Well, um, He's got to be in a top like I said, after
1: that. Like, yeah, like I said, he he can do some of the same things Kyler Murray does. You know, he, he played in a similar kind of offense in college that, to what, what Murray did and to what Cliff Kingsbury coaches. So he understood what was going to be there. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot. You know, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't Colt McCoy winning the game for them, but that's what you want from your backup, right, is a guy who, A, won't lose the game for you. And then the question is, how long can you continue with him as a as a starter you know a one game thing or is it a four game thing you know and i think mccoy's more in that kind of three four game category until you know which is what changes
0: after that point then
1: well teams start to figure out the limitations that you've that your quarterback has and good coaches are scheming around those limitations but if a defense figures out what they are they can then respond to respond to your scheming they get found out is basically mm. what what it is but and- the flip
0: side of that mike I, when i was watching the game i was thinking because of mccoy's limitations are they i'm not saying more expansive with their play calling or imaginative but they they had to almost accommodate uh, the fact that not just uh Kyler, but so many of the uh, of their key offensive starters were out that they were they were being fairly left field with some of the, the play calls there. So does it does it serve to maybe sharpen the minds of the of the offensive coordinators? To think Not
1: that- just the coordinators. You often find, and and this is another thing that that expires after a game or two. But you often find in the first game with these backups that that the team itself plays harder. Mm. because they know they have to sort of, um, there, there is that kind of, um, you know, now if the guy's really bad, there's not much you can do about it, but you tend to find that the line is trying harder. You know, they, they, they want to protect the guy, give him a chance to succeed. Maybe the run game has to work re- really well. So they, you know, they concentrate more on that. It seems to focus some teams, um, yeah, you know, a lot when, when a backup takes over, I don't think Murray's seriously injured, you know, and uh, I think um, we'll, we'll see next week what they, what they decide to do, but I, you know, I don't think they'll be afraid of putting Colt McCoy into a game if, if they have to um, at that point.
0: What about Jimmy G? A lot of uh, criticism again for him. He's a much maligned line figure, of course, and he clearly didn't have a, an auspicious day by any stretch, but should they just hold firm in the playoffs are a a long shot at best now for the 49ers should they hold firm and let jimmy g live out the string and and get trey lance ready for next season or should they make the switch sooner than that do you think
1: Mm -hmm. that's a that's a really good question which shannon would have to answer but if he loves if he loves um trey lance as much as he must have to to, you know, take him because remember the story goes that they were moving up to get Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. And then he fell in love with Trey Lance. The more he, the more he watched, it would probably behoove them to get him some experience when it's not crucial. You know, if you, if they drop, what are they now? They're three and five. If, if, if they drop to three and six, three and seven, um, where they, they know there's no shot of a playoffs, then they might as well put Trey Lance in. If he doesn't play well, you can write, you know, you can write part of that off to the team being out of contention and it doesn't hurt you, but it will get him that experience. Mm. Um, so I, I that's why I think that's the way I would be thinking at this point. Um, I don't know if they have enough faith in him, you know, may, you know, cause a couple of wins and then they're sort of back in contention. Yeah, yeah. Um, The way the
0: season's going. I mean, yeah, are, we're writing off teams maybe a little bit too quickly. Uh, hey, Mike, the Nat Coombe show, as you well know, is brought to you in association with the Aer Lingus college football classic.
1: Oh, uh, and that's grand. It's grand. The first chance
0: to get tickets to see Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the 27th of August, 2022, a fine day, if I may say so, is through their pre-sale on Friday the 19th of October. So head on over to collegefootballisland.com. That's collegefootballisland.com to sign up now for exclusive access. We'll push that link out through our social channels as well. A lot of you already got in touch with us and said, yeah, you're planning to head on over there. So I think we're going to plan... An
1: NC show road trip as well. I, I was just going to suggest that. The Nat Coombs show, birthday show, the birthday, pre, the birthday pregame. The back and, holiday special. I love yeah, it. with Iron Mike as Krusty the Clown. Doing <laughs> the doing the doing the birthday show. You can, I'll come as Ned Flanders. And you can go as Krusty the Cloud. All right, let's <laughs> Oakley talk. Oakley.
0: <laughs> let's talk uh Josh Allen be Josh Allen because that was uh, I think, back to your quantum <laughs> Scott Hansen! Can- Scott
1: Hansen! Scott Hansen! Oh, Josh Allen is sacked! He's not only sacked him, he's also picked up fumble and and he's intercepted him. I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. Same I've question. I never mentioned this
0: except every
1: minute for the last thirty five minutes.
0: Same question as before. Again, were you defaulting
1: to your true voice there, or <laughs> the no, mask? The mask has come there. That the, was the a Josh is, Yeah, uh, Scott, Scott doesn't Hansen. Scott doesn't talk like that. But the voice goes into those registers when he gets excited. Um, and look, bless
0: him, he has nineteen hours of live uh, live red zone. So oh yeah, oh
1: yeah. It, it,
0: <laughs> incredible uh incredible stuff nevertheless i love i mean we knew it, it was likely to happen i think given how uh, how prolific well, the jags josh allen is
1: but last last friday i did i did write this game up and call it the josh allen bowl there you and go and say that that was, that that was the key on. that was the yeah. key matchup you know i i didn't know this business about no player had ever sacked a player with the same name um which nfl research like you know conveniently provided although wish- you'll love
0: this mike did he i don't know if he was to, to this uh, day if he's still if he was winding me up and uh um, producer all seemed to buy it as well madison bumgardner you might know this story so madison bumgardner there's an article that ben isaacs found about him uh, which was in sports illustrated where he dated a girl called madison bumgardner <laughs> <laughs> No, now it was that incredulous, but
1: apparently that opens up that opens up all kinds of possibilities.
0: It does. And will say this is a family show, and Mike. So we won't get into it. But that, that was that blew my mind. That out
1: Josh Allen, the Josh Allen. Abso- absolutely. Did he, Jags- did he sack her? <laughs> yeah. Did he sack her? She worked for him. Did she did she recover his fumble? <laughs> Stop
0: it. How on earth did the Jags pull this off, Mike?
1: Um, you know, it's almost the same story as um as Tennessee and the Rams, it was up front. They just beat up, they, they basically beat up Buffalo's line. And yeah, it's funny because Buffalo's line, and again, I wrote this in the um the preview. This, I'm recommending people read my column on Friday. I got that. I, I got it's, that. It's worth it. it. I wrote this in the preview that the Bills offensive line, they chose not to upgrade. And it's by and large an acceptable, but not great offensive line. Um, But they depend on Josh Allen to be able to, to make, make the best of it. His mobility in the pocket means that that line does not have to be so great. Um, but they, they got nothing against Jacksonville. They couldn't run the ball. Allen was under pressure most of the time. And, really was. and And the key thing, which I probably should have said with Tennessee as well, if you can generate your pressure and dominate with four up front, you know, or maybe five if you're a 314, but really four, that means you're putting seven into coverage at mm. some point. And that makes it harder for the quarterback to find the receiver. He wants, you can, you can blanket his receivers. Um, He takes him an extra second in the pocket. It makes that four man rush look even better. If you're getting real pressure with four, it's very hard to cope with. This is what. I keep going back to the Super Bowl last year, but Tampa. One of the keys for Tampa was that they rarely rushed more than four in that right. game. The right. front four got them the pressure they needed, and you know, yeah, they had the Chiefs had two backup tackles in, which helped an awful lot. But basically, that's the key to a lot of these situations: is that the reduced rush means you can you can put more guys in coverage, and de- you know, they had a couple of plays where Cole Beasley was open, and by the time Allen got the ball um you know very quick linebackers miles jack i you know i wouldn't yeah. talk josh allen's so i thought miles jack had a tremendous game it was the best game i've seen from him um not not that we've covered a lot of jacksonville but it was you know better than the game in london and yeah well that's that's a
0: know. london and this i guess goes back to the the tennessee point you have a team that is either getting demonstrably better as the season goes on or unit specifically that's get, getting better you can understand that all the matchup is favorable or they're playing uh, out of their skin, or, or or certainly above the level they have been playing on that particular afternoon, or I guess all of the above, right? It could be all of the above. Yeah, right? and, and, and is it with Jacksonville. Oh, do you think?
1: Well, I think they caught them. They caught them, you know, at the right time at at home. Um, what they did worked. Buffalo didn't adjust, which which surprised mm. me a little bit. Um, you know, and Buffalo offensively have managed to get through a lot of injuries. Um, running backs, you know, mostly Dawson Knox is out now too. Um, but they should have. Buffalo should have been able to generate more than two field goals against this mm. team. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. There's there's another MVP guy who <laughs> yep. hey, well, just crashed into the Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> um, and or into Lake Erie, I suppose. Um, and and um, I, I just you know I, I just wonder when when you watch the watch these things if if really what we're talking about is a level of teams that aren't really that great but are projected there because you have a lot of teams that are not necessarily really bad, although some of them are, but, but, you know, but aren't at, aren't at even a a very good level. Um, And that's, you know, the chargers beat the, beat the Eagles, which, you know, which I thought they would do the game went over which is where where i bet it but but um the chargers are a great team against not so great teams uh-huh. you know and they barely scraped that one through they they got going and they when they could pick on the secondary but but up front that that stopped them too and
0: urban my would have been uh, proud of the eagles in that game of course you know, the <laughs> 700 rushing yards they uh, yeah to.
1: and you know i i don't know Law lo- uh, did, it's hard. It's hard to say exactly what they did offensively when you get only get nine points. You know, um, the the key to that game obviously was defense. Buffalo was averaging thirty, almost thirty three, and they got they got six. Um, but uh, I won't say that they're a team. Look at what Denver did to Dallas. Let's of, talk about that. Let, you but, know, you but know, actually, do, I just situation. want to
0: give props to to uh, Buffalo's Josh Allen just for his forthright honesty in, in the post game presses. I played like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, you cool gotta like is is. you yeah. gotta like Josh, Josh Allen. You Josh know? Shelley, yeah, thumbs up there. Uh, both so of I'll, them, both of them. Actually, we like both. You know? We like both. Uh, <laughs> just to be clear on that. So Denver, uh, again, what the hell happened there? Because let's put this into context as well. We started the season thinking, well, Denver could be a dangerous operation because they got a good defense and there was a lot of buzz about Pat Satane and the additions they made to their defense and Teddy he's an underrated kind of guy. And if, if the stars align, they could be, and it started that way. And then they, they went off the ball. Everybody jumped off that Carolina-esque jumped off that Denver for the playoffs bandwagon fairly early on. And then of course, Von Miller went and all the reports came out around the trade deadline that they were looking to, offset a number of other players as well they looked like they were in rebuilding mode and even if the deals didn't get done that indicates the team doesn't really fancy their chances in the short term so I think everybody was going into this game thinking it was going to be at least a Dallas win at best a blowout and of course it was the other way around so unpick this for us Mike what the hell happened here
1: well again you had a team that played really well up front without Von Miller um, which I think justified in the sense they're they're getting rid of him. You because know? of that, is that this the, the same rationale I, 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 that players I, are up? I hate, up, like, I hate yeah, that. maybe, maybe. I mean, I hate to psychoanalyze. We do it all the time um, and it, it's not necessarily, but, you know, this is Rick Fangio's kind of specialty um, is of make it, making the best of it. And And in reality, Von Miller is, I think right now, And the way that he'll probably get used by the Rams is as a pass rush specialist as opposed to an every down Uh outside outside linebacker. Um, So in that sense, they might be better off um, without count without counting on him. To me, I mean, they had a great start to the game. And once it was 16, nothing and the Cowboys blocked the punt and then had it bang off one of their players and be recovered by Dallas for a muffed, a muffed, punt <laughs> yeah, muffed, yeah, yeah. a muffed, put, fumble, um fumble recovery. Then, I, I Broncos, mean, yeah, yeah you, you could, you could have written game over <laughs> right there. That just seemed to, to let the rest of the air out of the, uh, but Dak and Dak Prescott looked kind of out of, out of sync, um, which well, you, you sometimes the, get. And
0: Pollard did as well, right? They had what, 60 odd yards between them. They, the ground yeah. game was completely shut down as well.
1: Um, they, and they did, you know, Denver did a great job up front. They've got, they've got the makings of a really good secondary, um, Mm. you know, which could control, control the receivers for the most part. And Dak, Dak just was, you know, was not ready to be playing. You know, I would have. I, I said at one point during the game when I was, I, I go live tweeting for a while until I really start getting fed up with it. What was the
0: over-under on Carlson's mm-hmm. tweets on Sunday? Yeah, 174?
1: I don't know. <laughs> no, it was under. Uh, but anyway, I said Cooper Rush would have completed that pass, you know, and, and he would have, you know, Dak, Dak was off, you yeah. know, um, yeah, yeah. and this happens sometimes when you're, when you're just coming back and, and, you know, the expectations are high. So should
0: we not overreact then? Because, I mean, if the ground game typically gets going, uh, didn't, that obviously impacts what that's said yeah, to do. if he's banged and, up as well do you think this is one of those games yeah one that of the interesting yeah one
1: of the play. interesting things too is is how they're shuffling their offensive line and Leal collins you know wasn't starting they and and if tyson smith gets hurt then you're down you're basically starting backups uh which yeah. teams which teams are aware of their backups for a reason um, and, and I think that might have been a factor in that. I think though that's the first thing they have to go look at this week is, is the offensive line and who's actually going to play and, and play well. Um,
0: so do we not overreact then to this or rather... No. Is there a danger that people are overreacting to this Dallas defeat?
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure we well, that's the name of the game. <laughs> that's mm. what if you don't overreact and if you don't do it loudly, then no one's going to pay <laughs> attention to your podcast, right, Aaron? I mean, that ivermectin is great, isn't it? It's fantastic. Everyone, hey, tune in. Come on the podcast. Aaron Rodgers is talking about ivermectin again. You know. <laughs> um, I won't say who that invitation was, but you probably no, can figure it out. You could um, join the dots. there. you know, but but Denver now at at, at four and four, um, they they could be in that you know in that race. Uh, well, who, let's talk sneaky sneaky players. Who's going to who's going to win that? You know, I mean, you have to think Kansas City. Now back with a back with a winning record after yeah. a fairly un, uninspired performance against the Packers, but a good defensive job. I mean, that to me, that's the takeaway I take from that. Is and I wrote about this as well. Um, Melvin Ingram picking up Melvin Ingram. And yeah, play, yeah, playing yeah. him at playing him at end means that you don't have to you don't bother with Chris Jones at end anymore. He's much more effective as effective as a tackle. Mm-hmm. It made Frank Clark more effective. I think mm-hmm. I think too that you know both those guys have been playing with nagging injuries, and, mm-hmm. and that that's probably true of a lot of guys. Um, I like Belton a lot, and he and Willie Gay, two young linebackers. That's one of the keys to playing with four guys up front is that you have to have quick linebackers behind them. Right. That's what de- that's what Tampa has. Um, it's it's what uh, Tennessee has. Brogan Smith, Smith, the pair. You know your inside guys have the to pass. be quick, quick enough to cover. Brogan uh, Smith on the Bears. Um, the other guy <laughs> on the on the Titans. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, who who I think? always confuse with Roquan Smith because they came out. Rashan Evans, Rashan and <laughs> Roquan, they came out at the same time. Mm. Anyway, um, that that's another that's another one of those keys, and and they've got that. But but offensively, they were a mess, and Green Bay's defense played played really well against them. But they still make mistakes. I mean, they they play very sloppy. Um, they play very undisciplined de- uh, offense, and. Um, a lot of people and uh, Deshaun to Kansas City. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Mm. You know, when, when it became obvious that they wanted to dump Deshaun Jackson, um, Andy Reid would be the perfect place for him uh, mm. to go back to. But I wonder about like the guys that they drafted. Um, um, the the kid the kid from Wake Forest, Connor. He's not playing. I mean, he's he's like a, a mid range possession possession receiver. Um, and Co- Cornell Powell. Mm. You know um, Noah Fant, the the kid from Duke. They were taking these ACC receivers. Um, he's a fullback. I don't even think he's a tight end. I think you should be playing him at fullback, H back, and trying to get him out of the backfield. Mm. But you know, but the problem is, and we, I keep talking about it, they don't have they don't have a third receiver as a deep threat that would Jackson would would call would would um, take some of the pressure off Tyreek Hill and teams that try to keep him controlled. Well, he's and, gone
0: now, obviously to the Raiders. So what about Odell? Do you think Odell might land an hour ahead? It That's an it's an Seattle interesting question. To be Seattle no would
1: be the the place for recalcitrant receivers. Always seem to be going. <laughs> Everyone's noticed that New England have cleared a roster spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. James yeah. Ferenc got got. Uh, cut and oh, cut. I would I would, would love, to see that. And and Odell has talked about Belichick about wanting to play for. Yes, Belichick he has in, exactly. in the yeah. past. Um, although I think they may be opening a, a spot for a running back because they mm-hmm. had both both Harris and Mont, uh, Ramondre Stevenson had mm-hmm. concussions. Um, oh, in, did they in, in, no, in no, the game? No, yeah, they were, good both, game, didn't he? He was, they were both out with heads, mm, um, with as heads. they say um, by the end hey,
0: of Mike, the game? Right. Let's look at this sneaky playoff teams. Teams. teams so there are certain teams I think we're Pretty sure you've already guaranteed the Titans. Make it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're pretty sure we're going to make it. So in the AFC, the, the Bills. Are, let's not get carried away. Then the Bills are going to make it, right? The Ravens. They should. Are the Titans, and then it's look the West is wide open. The North is the rest of the North is wide open because so there are a whole cluster of teams that could quite credibly lay a claim for a playoff spot, the Patriots, I guess, Mike, have got to be in that mix. Well,
1: their game against Cleveland is going to be really interesting this week because for the second week in a row, they play a team with the same record. So Cleveland and Mm -hmm. New England are both five and four at this point. Mm -hmm. The Patriots are one of those teams that seems to be getting better every week as they figure out who they are. Mac Jones has had two bad games in a row and they've won both of them mm. um but they're one and four at home and they're they're four and oh on the road which is bizarre really for this team so mm. um and cleveland is basically getting healthy again they're getting people right. back and you know kind of just like the von miller thing without odell beckham they got a deep pass to to the people's choice yeah. Donovan, people's jones <laughs> yes
0: they do you know and
1: the offense just seemed to work better so mm. um i think this will be a fascinating game. And You know, behind Baltimore, there are two games up on Cleveland, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Um, I'm not convinced by Pittsburgh or Cincinnati in the long, long stretch. But Cleveland, I think, are probably one of the three playoff teams um, behind them. New England have a pretty good shot at being uh, the second one. But out in the West, you know, Kansas City, we look at as being the favorite still in that division at five and four. Um, But you, you know the Raiders, I think, will start going downhill as the as the league is caught up to them. Um, The Chargers are good enough to beat anybody, but they're not that great against really good teams. I think. So you know, there, there's one of at least one of those wild card teams is going to come from that division,
0: mm, no doubt. Uh, really fascinating to unpick how how that'll play out ultimately because all of them interesting and intriguing but flawed right which i guess most teams in the NFL <laughs> kind right of now.
1: like the kind of like the raiders draft process
0: <laughs> well, God, mayock's getting uh i mean yeah that was you know arnett getting released arnett going off and getting released i mean that is not and i've been a mayock apologist i you know i think he gets a lot of stick and i like the fact he is a man of conviction and sticks sticks to his guns no matter what everybody is telling him is the smart play and but at the moment uh his selections have been quite hit and miss well, but well the see. question
1: is whether they were his or gruden's selections mm. in the end because I, I think i think rudin had the ultimate say um i mean we had some of the nfl nfl insiders saying that we knew about our net all the time but then why didn't they tell anybody you know um he right. had character issues coming out he's had a series of problems that, that have been not not got the usual publicity that you usually get when an nfl yeah. player has a problem um, yeah. but you know i mean rugs in our net in one week that's that's a that's a tough ask for any mm-hmm. team
0: yeah yeah okay in the nfc same principle the cowboys look are fine that irrespective of, of their odd performance against denver the packers ditto uh the bucks you feel mike are the best team in the nfl right now
1: yeah i i don't i don't think that's really questionable at this point they're playing at, you know, they're playing at a very high level um, they can be beaten new orleans showed that and um and i think peyton's doing a great job with with New Orleans, you know, working yeah. with what, what he's got. And Dennis Allen's defense has come, you know, pretty good. And, you know, I thought they had that game won, you know, and um, one play from Cordero. You know um, yeah. that that was the um, that was the difference in the game. Atlanta had you know done their usual Atlanta thing and you know handed it over at the end. And and Cordero um, did the script. Made made a big play, which he does. I mean, you know, I, he didn't have a great game running. He he made some catches before the big one, but he's a big play guy. You know, England yeah. wouldn't have got to that Super Bowl without without him returning kickoffs. You know, his, yeah. the field position they got in the Super Bowl against Atlanta was brilliant. um so you know um it's a great i wouldn't write i wouldn't write new orleans off oh more than that
0: i mean the way that results have gone they were in the box seat really for a wild card right because in the west you've got the the rams and the cardinals slugging it out and i think well seattle i guess remain the more interesting out of out of the other two but atlanta sure they're four and four but i don't think we're really buying them are we carolina we know uh, 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 no falling off the radar. The Bears with that defeat, they go to 3 and 6, the vikes 3 and 5, and of course the AFC East is a mess, as so the NFC East is a mess. So th- the Saints are 5 and 3, uh, are in prime position for uh, for a playoff spot. Um, yeah,
1: and re- and remember they they've got they've got Carolina and Atlanta coming up. I'm, mm-hmm. I should've, I should have I should have paid more attention, but you know, I was looking at the um uh, the upcoming schedules uh and the winning percentage. The Chiefs placed basically have the toughest schedule
0: yeah they do um, of, of any team Well, i know they've got a tough one
1: you think it's uh, the toughest up. yeah that's yeah. Interesting. And, yeah and so that that's going to be another another factor because when you're playing you know people talk about the super bowl hangover to mm. teams that lose the super bowl but what you have to remember too is that they get a tough schedule mm. um you know those teams are always playing a, a tough schedule and, and um super do you bowl think winners they make the playoffs well? the chiefs i think so yeah i i how many times how many weeks in a row will we keep saying the same thing you know, <laughs> it's there's, true, it's there's true, too though. there's too much talent on that team but know, eventually not, we gotta yeah too, i mean i i to, know legeria Le, snee made a couple of great plays um in that's that the cause
0: for optimism right the defense yeah. is and you, you made a great point about the the smart acquisition of ingram and, and the impact that that has because i think that point is often made more readily offensively right if you bring this player in then he frees up X, Y, and Z to be more prolific because of the attention that this player garners, right? And that isn't always applied defensively as well. So it's fascinating to to look at that interchange with the addition of Ingram and, and the impact that that is having further up. The defense improving has got to give the Chiefs cause for significant optimism because the offense has to get it right at some point. I mean,
1: yeah, that's 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 the story of their season. We talk about it every week, uh, every every, week. That's that's it. And, you know, I mean, they have to stop putting Daniel Sorensen in one-on-one coverage things. Um, He's never been the quickest guy in the secondary. And now I think he's lost, he seems to have lost a step. Um, And, you know, he's smart. He's been there basically as a cover-up kind of safety and is a guy who can who can do both he can come up and play in the box as well but mm. but right now if they keep get if he keeps getting isolated they're gonna there's they're gonna be getting killed on, on the yeah kind they've
0: of things. the teams have worked that one out i think uh and then some uh right. what are you writing about this week then mike what's going to be your focus or are you still working that out
1: well I, yeah i mean the quantum nfl is is going to become i think a a, a long term run <laughs> running running thing because um i was trying to figure out you can look at referees' one-lost records with teams if you think the referees are specifically biased against teams. But it's really hard to figure out from the statistics what the biases of a game are. Because you can balance out penalties, but it's when the penalty is called and what it removes. And let's say you connect on a 60-yard touchdown pass and you have a guy called offside. And that negates that it's a five yard penalty in the stats Mm -hmm. sheet. It goes down as one, five yards. Mm -hmm. It's in the fact it's a 65 yard penalty. Right. right. The play play you've lost is negated, you know, and, you know, in that game too, Robert Quinn was lining up offside the entire game. Twice. Twice. I mean, they got, they called him twice. he He basically was doing it on every play.
0: Why, why on earth? was once he got rumbled the first time because they and the comms made the point as well didn't they and it's not just you know you could understand if it was a a third stringer a rookie but a player of that experience
1: well they're giving him they're sort of officials tend to give guys the break that's what i was getting
0: at was he thinking well hang on you'd be letting me get away with this all game and now you're flagging
1: There, there used to be james we called it james worthy rule james worthy always shuffled his feet before he moved with the basketball which is you have to keep one foot as a pivot foot you So you can't defend a guy who can go left or right because he's moving his feet back and forth. But because James Worthy did it every single time he had the ball, he got away with it. They let him do it. And there's the Fred Shiro theory in, in hockey. The Flyers, the Broad Street Bullies, when they won two Stanley Cups, the coach was Freddie the Fogg. Shiro had been a longtime minor league coach. And he knew from the minor leagues where there were a lot more fights than in the NHL. Your guy and, and their guy getting into a quote unquote fight. If your bully went in and beat up their best player, both guys go off the ice for two minutes and you've got the advantage. Right. And and so and also if you do something all the time, the referees cannot call it because it would kill the game and we've seen that in football as well you know if, if you foul persistently they can't call every foul mm. the world cup final spain and holland with the british mm. referee who bottled it completely because the dutch came out fouling like crazy and he couldn't you know once he once he kind of like yellow carded everybody he, he then didn't want to give the next yellow card and send someone off because it would kill the game mm. and then of course the spanish went into their natural mode of <laughs> Mm. (laughs) of chopping guys down and, you know, and then raising their hands up. And so, yeah but, but that's the way it kind of works. Um, Mm. And, you know, and in the, in the NFL now where somebody's holding on every play because the rules are so indistinct, you know, I, I saw someone put up a, a video of, of celebrating, um, celebrating the blocking of uh, Thomas on, on in San Francisco. And, you know, it was a, yeah, he's got great quick feet and stuff like that. And, but, but he came down. He came down with both hands on the back of the guy's helmet, and drove him into the ground. Um, you know, oh, that's that's the kind of blocking that's legal these days. We see <laughs> it on. Okay. The, we see it on the old, all offensive pass interference, defensive pass interference, and we had one of those in the game that everyone was moaning about. You know, oh, he pushed off. You know, if the guy's arms are on you. And you push off. I don't think it's a push off, you know, and then, oh, he extended. He didn't extend his arms. I can push off without extending my arms. You know, <laughs> it's easy. Now remember what you I told you about you,
0: at the top of the show. I might before you start yeah, that. You, kind use, of
1: you oh. use your body, you use your body weight to do it. You know, it, it, it makes no sense. And, and none of the officiating makes sense. You know, and um, is it random like a quantum universe? I suppose so. You know
0: here's the good news uh ollie and i uh had an over under on how many times you'd used the word quantum on today's show uh i the over under was two and a half and i went over and it was three that's the third time you i've only two. i've only said it three times only three times we keep it italian oh, right here. God. yeah god uh, yeah i so would I I I have thought the over i
1: thought I thought the over was was really
0: saying <laughs> we were quite modest about it uh mike carlson uh fmt is the patreon column so patreon.com mike carlson fmt uh before we get out of dodge Angelo, King Kong, Mosca, you want to salute?
1: Yeah, um... He, I was I was glad, you know, that we, that, that we got the Chandler Jones out of the way because I didn't want this to be a death oriented show. But um, I've been asked a couple of times to make up lists of the greatest NFL wrestlers, you know, NFL players, wrestlers. And Angelo Mosca never gets into it because he played his whole career in Canada um, originally because he was getting more money to go up to Hamilton than he would have gotten the NFL. He was a dominant player in Canada, a big defensive lineman with great speed. And one of the most famous things in his career is, is when he spears um, Willie, ha- Willie Hamilton, who was um, Willie Fleming, who was a great running back out of the university of Washington and he's down and half of them's out of bounds. And all of a sudden Angelo Mosca comes flying in and, and spears him helmet to helmet, not, <laughs> not called obviously in those, in those days, but Joe <laughs> cap, Joe cap was the Winnipeg quarterback at the time. And their feud continued for years and years to the point where, 50 years later, after Angelo Mosca had gone, had finished playing football and had a long career in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, as it was then called, as Mm. Angelo King Kong Mosca. He was a great wrestler, wrestled wrestled with his son for a while, too. But all those qualities, he was big and he was mobile. You know, he could work in the ring and he was very arrogant, very, you know, a great heel personality. Mm. 50 years later, they're having a CFL reunion. And Angelo Mosca is like up there, and Joe Cap is there. And Joe Cap comes up with a flower uh, or a bouquet of flowers to give to Mosca to end the feud, which has gone on for 50 years. And Mosca says, "Shove it up your ass." <laughs> and so Joe Cap decides he's going to shove it up Mosca's nose, <laughs> and he puts the flowers under Mosca's nose. Say, "Smell them, you know they're great." And Mosca has a cane at this point, and he starts beating on Joe Cap <laughs> with the cane, me. and it goes into a brawl. These, 70, these seventy-five-year-old guys are, are basically fighting it out on the stage in front of all these other <laughs> CFL. Dale Hackbart, who was a really good defensive back, breaks it up on the side. But it was just like pro wrestling, and you know, rest in peace. God bless you, An- Angelo Mosca.
0: Oh, raising a glass. Love that. Brilliant stuff. Uh, you can follow the big man on Twitter at Carlson Sports. I recommend that you do that. And Mike will be pushing out, as well as his 2,000 tweets on a Sunday uh, during game time, <laughs> links to his Patreon column and other writings and stylings and profilings to keep you yeah. wrestling deep. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm Mike. Always a pleasure. But look after yourself. You too, mate. Brilliant stuff. From Iron Mike at Carlson Sports, as I say, is how you follow him on Twitter. Uh, big shout out to uh, the Aer Lingus College Football Classic crew. Uh, remember, visit island.com to sign up for exclusive access to that. Uh, interestingly, they've announced a 2023 game as well. So we could be doubling down with our trips to Ireland for college football. So looking forward to that. We'll push out more info about that over on our social channels at the NC Show. We've got lots of pods coming your way this week. Ben Isaacs, back in the house for college days. We'll be doing rookie watch. We'll be looking at key players coming out in the draft. You know the drill by now. So get involved with college days. Some good ones in the vault there as well. Tom Deacon coming back on the show. Always good fun. I will guarantee I'm going to get a Mick McCarthy impression from him that is a lock you can count that in so he is coming back later on this week for a week 10 preview and of course prop oh the under's king of Plumpton, aka ollie the producer back for edge rush he had another good week me not so much uh <laughs> but i will bounce back like the cowboys like the bills I will be back in business. You can guarantee that. Uh, So lots of pods coming your way. If you haven't already, then subscribe to us and then you won't miss any of them. If you're listening to us for the first time, incidentally, or you're a new-ish listener, good to have you on board. Welcome to the show. And uh, we look forward to entertaining you as the season plays out. We'll see you for College Days. Bye for now. (laughs)
1: fellow baseball nuts join us on the johnny and josh show with my baseball brothers where jc
0: will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend eric jansen will
1: offer quirky baseball trivia but we also have david Langell who will
0: combine a high
1: level of inappropriateness
0: with a low level of analysis
1: the johnny and josh show available to
0: download wherever you listen to your podcasts